Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. I'm your host, Colin Zhu, and thank you for listening on. Today, I have a wonderful, wonderful guest with us today. This is Gari Janukar. Uh, say hi to everyone, Gari. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm so excited for her to be on today's show. Um, she has a, a amazing, amazing resume and background and unique skill set. For those of you who do not know who she is, she is a registered and licensed dietitian, Ayurvedic practitioner, certified diabetic educator, licensed massage therapist, and speaker and author. Um, I'm very excited to kind of talk about, you know, what she does and where are you calling uh, from today? I'm calling from uh, Dallas, Texas. Oh, okay. I have a lot of guests calling from Texas, so it's great. <laughs> um, so to start off, um, I love hearing about people's stories and how they go from A to B and what brings them to this very moment. Um, the centerpiece of people's stories um, is the heart of this podcast and um, not just talking about health and wellness. So can you share with the audience um, your story of how you came across doing what you're doing, you know, how you got into, you know, Ayurveda, how you got into your various wellness practices and, uh, you know, pretty much what makes you, you. Sure. Sure. Um, Colin. And, um, you know, my journey with wellness and Ayurveda started with when growing up in India and in Mumbai, you know, I essentially grew up with Ayurveda. So all the, uh, what do you call the Ayurvedic wisdom, um, a lot of time, came in from, you know, my grandmom, my mother, uh, you know, talking about Ayurveda, Ayurvedic spices and things and how we can include them in our uh, daily food. But um, one particular instance or one particular, um, uh, I can relate to actually uh, sparked my desire to learn more about Ayurveda is um, I remember that I was um, helping my mom um, in the kitchen, prepping uh, some vegetables and things. And mm -hmm. um, I was probably not very careful with a knife. So, I, uh, you know, I had a small cut. And, um, you know, after the cut, my, my mom said, you know, why don't you go and wash your hands and just take a pinch of turmeric and just dab it on the cut and, you know, it should be fine. And I was wondering, you know, how would turmeric actually help to heal that cut? But I trusted uh, my mom's instinct and wisdom and washed my hands and uh, grabbed a pinch of turmeric and dabbed it on the cut. And, you know, in a couple of days, I was just amazed to find that, you know, the, the cut had completely healed. And that's when I started wondering more about what is in it, you know, in turmeric and what is all about this Ayurveda that what my mom, uh, my grandmom used to keep talking about. And um, that got me more intrigued into learning more on Ayurveda. Um, I actually got formally trained 
into Ayurvedic medicine. I was trained mm-hmm. as an, a physician of Ayurvedic medicine in India before coming mm-hmm. to the United States. And that's that began my journey with Ayurveda, the Ayurvedic nutrition, a lot of the Ayurvedic therapy and things. So got trained with that. And that's how basically my desire to learn more about Ayurveda and introduce Ayurveda into my life and for um, a lot of my clients began. For your mother and grandmother, um, that's a very interesting story, by the way. Um, were they were they practitioners themselves, or was it because you know coming from an Indian background, that's kind of the pervasive part of the culture, uh, so to speak? Yes. So they they were not practitioners, uh, but they, as I said, it is part of the culture. So Ayurveda is part of a culture. You know, growing up, we basically we cook with the Ayurvedic spices and things. So it's essentially a part of a culture itself. What's very interesting is because Ayurveda has been practiced for thousands of years, and I think it's, you know, my mother she practices Chinese medicine, and I can't think of anything beyond Chinese medicine that is just as old and just as you know, currently practiced. And it's obviously made up of its own system. It has different, different components, uh, which could be an entirely separate episode because there's, you know, so much uh, about it. Um, but how, um, give us a little bit of background in terms of like a one-on-one, uh, because I know that, you know, for Chinese medicine, there's different ways of diagnosing versus, you know, uh, Western medicine. Western medicine is very dependent on the history taking, um, you know, what people, you know, verbalize in terms of their symptoms. Um, whereas contrast to that, Chinese medicine is very, you know, you don't need the the patient um, or person does not need to actually volunteer what's going on with them. They just look at their face, look at their tongue. Uh, look at their pulse, and um, they're able to kind of diagnose uh, which organ systems are actually out of balance. So give the audience uh, members uh, a little bit of snippet of, you know, how how does Ayurvedic medicine work? So with Ayurveda, you know, it's very similar um, in in the context that Ayurveda looks at the whole person aspect. What we did, we uh, look at with Ayurveda is, you know, the personalized approach to a person's um, uh, diet, lifestyle based on a person's body type, or it is called as a dosha mm-hmm. or the prakriti. And what Ayurveda believes is that every person is born with a prakriti or a dosha type based on the three basic doshas, which is vata, pitta, and kapha. So that means mm-hmm. everything, you know, a person's diet, lifestyle, becomes more personalized based on that person's body type. So in that pretext, when you think about Ayurveda, you know, we look at the person's body type, we look at the person's digestive uh, system or what I call the gut health. One of the mm-hmm. concepts in Ayurveda, it's called Agni, which is a mm-hmm. digestive fire. So again, we, we look at in depth, you know, how is this person's uh, gut health? Uh, how is his digestive power? And in Ayurveda, we believe that everything is through the gut. A person's health, wellness, immunity is through the gut. So essentially, mm-hmm. you know, when you think about gut health, it's not really a new concept. This is something that Ayurveda has been talking about for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting because, um, you know, that, you know, because we're living through a uh, global pandemic right now, it's interesting because people highlight immunity and people highlight gut health. And like you said, it's not new concepts. You know, these are things that have been, um, focused and practiced, uh, uh, 
you know, for just thousands of years through other types of modalities. You know, for your practice, uh, you specifically target nutrition and you said that everything is through, you know, gut health. Uh, what is it about nutrition in terms of Western civilization, you know, Western societies that Ayurvedic nutrition or the aspect nutrition lends itself well on? Sure, sure. So while the modern healthcare, you know, the modern nutrition is more about you know, the calories and proteins and, you know, the fat and content and things. So this is, um, you know, the, the nutrient essentially. Uh, the Ayurveda is, uh, talks more about creating a balance. So before, uh, you know, modern medicine or modern healthcare uh, discovered, um, you know, the uh, different vitamins and minerals, Ayurveda talked about creating balance in our meals by including foods through the six different tastes. And mm. the six different tastes are madhur, which is sweet, amla, which is sar, lavan, which is salty, um, katu, which is pungent, tikta, which is bitter, and kashaya, which is astringent. So Ayurveda said on a daily basis, you know, you want to have a meal which had foods with all these different tastes to create a balance with our doshas. And also, Ayurveda talks about the other aspect is seasonal foods. You know, as season changes, Ayurveda says that the balance in our doshas change. That means our foods and lifestyle need to change according to the season. So if you think about a perfect example for that is in summer. In summer, you know, everything becomes hot. Um, and you can also see that, you know, Mother Nature prepares us. We see a lot of foods with a lot of the water content. So, you know, to help us quench the thirst, with help us with the hydration. So in summer, we want more of the cooling foods. While in winter, we want more of the food that create more of those, that internal warmth. And mm -hmm. a lot of times in winter, what we see is nuts is something we see more prevalent in winter. So again, seasonal foods, eating food according to season is also one of the concepts of Ayurveda as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that's very important to emphasize because for American uh, diet or American society, you know, our food is very, I, I would argue, very unbalanced. Um, we tend to favor, you know, certain meat groups. We tend to, uh, you know, really emphasize, you know, carbohydrates, starches um, for many different reasons in terms of taste, in terms of um, costs, um, because people, you know, like the flavor, you know, we've... Uh, created food chemicals to be able to hit certain parts of our brain to want us to increase our eating and increase eating the same groups. Um, and also in our marketplaces, it's different than if you were living in a more rural um, area, or if you're living in different parts of the world where you don't have whole foods, or you don't have a supermarket that actually has all the foods of all the seasons all year round. So in a way, we've kind of been out of balance in terms of, you know, how we look at seasons um, and how we look at um, how we source different ingredients. Um, so I think that's very important what you mentioned in terms of sticking to the seasons. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of times, I mean, uh, this is very evident from even how we feel our energy levels, even to you know, think about, you know, having more food that are more seasonal. For example, you know, watermelon is, you know, when, when you think about even with modern nutrition, you know, when you think about potency-wise, you know, um, the watermelon going to be available in summer is going to be better compared to the watermelon uh, 
available in the winter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So in terms of the actual medicine part of it, um, or in terms of cooking, you know, um, did you, what was your relationship with either one um, growing up? Um, Did you battle a personal health journey or did, you know, did you get inspired from, you know, someone else's health journey or were, was the turmeric on your finger, the perfect catalyst to kind of get you going (laughs) to your current path? I mean, it was, it was a combination. Turmeric definitely, uh, I would say, propelled me to learn more about Ayurveda and get formally trained into Ayurveda. But one of the things that I would think about my personal health journey is, you know, coming to the gut health part, is that I, I remember um, growing up with a slightly weaker uh, digestive um, uh, health. And mm. uh, things that to me, you know, uh, better to... Uh, my gut health was again including a lot of those, you know, Ayurvedic spices in our meals. And um, I remember that in a certain seasons, mom would change the way we would eat different foods. Uh, we would include different vegetables according and available in the seasons. Um, I also remember growing up that every day the co- the food was cooked fresh. You know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, everything was cooked fresh. We would go mm-hmm. to the market every single day to get the vegetables that were available in abundance for the season. So essentially, you know, your mom actually helped me to understand though that principles of Ayurveda and how to cook uh, more in line with the Ayurvedic principles as well. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Comparatively to how we live as as Americans, um, you know, it's not uh, we don't. I guess we don't create or prioritize, you know, those opportunities to cook every single meal. Um, a lot of people have full time jobs. A lot of people have different types of obligations where they don't literally cook every single meal. So that's why fast food over time has become very popular. That's why packaged foods, convenience foods have become, you know, very, very popular over time. And that's what contributes to our poor gut health and subsequently our overall well-being. What would you say, you know, contributes from an Ayurvedic perspective the poor gut health that you see in your clients, you know, what is it something that's a very common theme that you see in your clients that their gut health is just, you know, poor. And, you know, what, what are some things that they practice in their lifestyle that leads to that from your perspective? Sure. Sure. I mean, um, in my clients, the first thing I see a lot is, um, you know, a relatively weaker gut health and that's where I came from. And that's why it helps me relate to my clients better. Um, Definitely, you know, a lot of times I see a lot of my clients um, either eating foods that are out of season. Second thing is either eating uh, too much or too little of certain foods, um, not enough time gap between meals. And one of the important Mm. aspects with Ayurveda is the, the, the concept of Agni, which is digestive fire. That means we are, according to our digestive fire and, and our, our health is in line with our digestive fire. So one other thing that Ayurveda really talks about is we want to understand our hunger. 
We want to understand our digestion. That means we want to make sure that we really preserve our our digestive power really well. That means again making sure that we are eating more warm foods. Um, we're eating not too many raw foods. That's one of the things I see a lot. People having too many raw foods early in the morning, or they may have mm. a lot of smoothies and things in the morning. A lot of times they may end up just having salads. That means again, mm-hmm. you know, may, may not be a the best idea for a more balanced meal. So again, having more balanced meal is what Ayurveda really talks about is creating that balance. So would you say, I guess it depends on uh, people's uh, different um, constitution, but you know, would you say in general that raw foods are, uh, I guess, contributory to people's uh, you know, a poor health or is it because it just throws people off balance in terms of their gut health? It may throw people out of balance, the proportion of it, the amount of it. So for mm. example, uh, just an example of that is, um, let's say for the first thing in the morning, a lot of times what Ayurveda talks about is having a warm meal to actually help kickstart that upti, the digestive fire. A lot of times people may end up having something that is cold, in the morning or sometimes, you know, not enough uh, food to actually increase that agni. So we definitely want to eat according to our digestive fire. An example of that, I'm, I'm going to just elaborate a little on the three yeah. dosha types. So yeah. people understand the differences, how the digestion uh, plays a role. So a person who is has pitta, pitta meaning a person who has more of uh, what I call the digest, uh, more of the fire element in them. And pitta actually uh, governs um, our digestion in the body. So a person who has a pitta body type, this person has one of the best digestion. This person is going to be hungry like after after every one or two hours. So really high metabolic rate. Now for this person who has who has pitta body type, if you give him really small amounts of food or if he doesn't eat on time, what I say a lot of times he develops a feeling or I say is hangry. So mm-hmm. I'm angry and hungry at the same time. For a mm-hmm. person who is kapha body type, uh, this uh, kapha body types are more of, I would say, you know, slightly on the um, the uh, on the overweight side. Their metabolism is slightly on the lower side. So people with kapha body type, if they eat more of, you know, heavy foods, more sweet foods and things, they tend to have uh, a more sluggish metabolic rate. They say tend to have a more sluggish digestion. A person who is vata body type, this person's um, digestive, when you think about the agni or the digestion, sometimes this person is hungry, sometimes this person is not, because this person is governed or uh, predominantly has more of the vata, which is, I would say, the wind element more. So just as the wind element is never static, right? Similarly for these people, you know, uh, again, um, sometimes they're hungry at, uh, let's say, in the morning, they will have uh, breakfast sometimes at 8, the next day they'll have it at 10, the third day they'll totally skip. Now, for a person who is water body type, if they tend to eat more of the raw foods, they may end up having more of the bloating and gut issues. Mm. So we definitely, for the for people with water body type, we want to have more warm and grounding foods. For a person who is more of a kapha body type, they want to have more easy to digest food, something that's warmer. For a pitta body type, now for a person who has pitta, they have one of the best digestions. So that means they can literally eat a lot of the different foods that a lot of the vata and the kapha body types may not be able to tolerate. So again, it all depends on the person's body type. So we definitely want to gear those foods, that lifestyle, according to the person's body type. 
So this might be going back to basics because um, Ayurvedic uh, medicine um, is not um, that commonly pr um, practiced um, or many people don't really know about it. For those in the audience, you know, how does one go about understanding, you know, what type of dosha that they are? Um, is it like a questionnaire? Is it, you know, like, how do you or do you, you know, you're, you're, you're able to figure out just based off of their physical constitution? Or how do you figure out someone's dosha? So for a person uh, trying to figure out what the dosha type is, um, the questionnaire is a start always, but doesn't give you the, the full idea. Uh, my suggestion always is to go to an Ayurvedic practitioner. Because what they're looking at when they look at the person's uh, dosha type and prakriti is to look at the overall features, but also their digestion, their appetite, how they've been sleeping, a history. So that gives a better picture about what this person's body type or the dosha type is actually going to look like. Yeah, and uh, I think um, just like anything else, it's important to go to a you know professional that does this. And you know we can read everything on online um, and the internet now these days, but it's important to really, really get to the source. I'm very curious, and you know this is again from your inspiration from your mother asking you to put turmeric. Um, it seems like you've actually taken that inspiration to base your master's thesis research on, uh, which I have read off of your site, the dietary curcumin um, and its effect on melanoma. Can you um, share with us a little bit about that research that you did? Sure. So um, uh, for my master's thesis, it, this was an animal study we did. And um, for the animal study, um, uh, we had um, a certain type of mice that were fed uh, the uh, turmeric diet. Like we had two uh, sets of mice, one which was fed a turmeric diet and one which was not. And we were trying to look at the effect of melanoma in both these mice. And what we found it after the 30 days when we ran some tests and things is that the, the mice that were fed a turmeric, essentially, which was, you know, um, curcumin, we found mm -hmm. that, you know, the mice that were fed a, um, curcumin actually had a lower levels of uh, some of the melanoma, um, uh, what do you call, uh, we were looking at some of those markers, so they had lower uh, levels of those melanoma markers. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that would be, that's very powerful research to be able to say, you know, a food source is, you know, has the ability to, you know, slow down, it sounds like, um, or the delay the process of, of cancer. So it's a very, um, because I know that turmeric studies uh, have been, have been studied before. And so that's a very, very good insight in terms of nutrition. It's a very broad type of science and it's a very, uh, type of science that is always changing. There's always something new. Um, but for the modern day person, um, for the person that goes about their day to day and, you know, comes to you and says, you know, I, I don't know where to start. You know, I know that I want to improve my health. I know that I want to lose some weight and get better, um, and live long enough, you know, for my family, um, or just in general, in terms of like, what are some common misconceptions that you find, um, from people, from different uh, patients and clients that come to you about, you know, nutrition and how to eat well, um, and overall uh, daily living from, uh, from your perspective? And how have you addressed it using your Ayurvedic uh, perspectives? Sure, sure. So um, a lot of times, um, you know, when clients come in, 
one of the biggest concepts, uh, misconcepts they have, especially with Ayurveda, is that you know, the Ayurvedic diet or the Ayurvedic nutrition part is going to be something that's going to be very restrictive. Uh, it's going to be um, very overwhelming. Uh, it involves a lot of planning ahead of time. And um, a lot of times they think that, you know, this is something that uh, may not work with their lifestyle, with their, mm-hmm. with their, may not work with their schedule. And a lot of times when I show the clients how easy it is to just start with you know, just a couple of concepts to start with, you know, just um, it can be as simple as, you know, changing their breakfast in the morning, having a warm breakfast, uh, changing their meal times, changing their uh, including more spices into their diet, you know, uh, eating more seasonings. So just starting with a few concepts, we can even get some of those results that we see. And once the clients see that it's not that they have to do like 10 changes at one time, we just start with one or two changes at a time, see the results and look at what's the next thing that we need to work on. So it is a process. I'd let the, mm-hmm. my clients know it's a process. It's not something that we are going to achieve in, a, in a one sitting or um, in a matter of one month. But think of it, it's that it is a change in lifestyle. That means this is some of the habits we want to think about for a lifetime. So again, mm-hmm. simple again, uh, simple changes in their meals, their diet, and adding simple lifestyle changes like a daily massage, which is called the Ayurvedic Abhyanga. Uh, um, actually, we find that you know a lot of the results we just get by adding just a couple of things at a time. Yeah, that's uh, it's very you know when I was thinking about when you said starting off with a warm meal, it makes me think of uh, how my mother raised me, and she always says that you know, always have water or some uh, liquid at room temperature. And um, she always told us, tell us that there's, it's kind of, there's no purpose of having anything iced because that's not how the body operates. And that's stuck with me till this day in terms of, you know, what, what the body is doing and how do we keep it continuously in that balance or homeostasis. So, you know, when you said that, um, uh, actually, uh, you know, with, with, uh, having a warm meal that makes that triggers that memory for me. Um, what is it about, because you're also a massage therapist as well, you know, what is it about massage that augments or, or supplements, you know, your wellness counseling? Absolutely. So, you know, with, um, uh, with my Ayurvedic training, I was trained in Panchakarma, and also the different Ayurvedic therapies and things. And coming uh, to United States, one of the things um, in order to um, uh, provide body work and massage, uh, I went back to school, got my massage therapy, um, or trained in massage therapy also, and got my massage therapy license. So with massage therapy, with the Ayurvedic uh, therapy that we practice, actually, what we find is, uh, just a simple example is about Abhyanga, which is called the your uh, daily uh, massage. And we use warm oils. And we use these oils according to a person's body type. Now, what we find that, you know, uh, when, you, when you do a simple abhyanga, it actually helps to reduce stress levels. An important factor of that uh, we have found, especially for our people uh, with diabetes, mm-hmm. uh, being a, a certified diabetes educator as well. Uh, when we have people check their blood sugars before, and after uh, the massage, the abhyanga, we find that, you know, we chain find the blood sugars are lower, sometimes 30 to 40 points difference. And that is to show that, you know, stress becomes an important trigger uh, when it comes to a lot of the chronic disease states. So with Ayurveda, 
uh, we uh, we look at you know the whole person aspect and we include some of the ayurvedic therapies along with the nutrition to look at the whole person aspect hey guys we're going to be taking a short break but don't go anywhere we'll be right back Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Yeah, I think um, I, I think massage is very important because um, you know I'm a DO, a doctor of osteopathic medicine, and um, what makes us different than our MD counterparts is that we have extra training and manual manipulation, and it's similar to massage therapy and chiropractic care. However, you know, we are similar to Ayurvedic where we do look at everything in its whole person uh, approach and a perspective. And so using our hands to diagnose and treat is just as important. So I can, I definitely resonate with what you're saying. Um, It is interesting when you talked about um, their uh, their types in terms of which oils. Um, So are you referring to the doshas and then using a specific type of oil in term based off of their dosha? Sure, sure, absolutely. So um, to give you an example, a person with a pitta body type, since they are going to have more of the fire element in them, you need something which is with the opposite quality. That means something like a cooling oil. So you, a lot of times we'll use the coconut oil, which has more of the cooling properties. A person who is vata, you need again something with the... Um, with the exactly opposite quality, which is something which is a warming oil. And the sesame seed oil is considered more warming and something that will ground a person with vata. But a mm. person who is kapha body type, again, again, we need something which is more warming for this person, something that creates more, uh, what do you call, excitement and things for this person. So again, something which is warming. So we will use uh, the sesame seed oil again for a person with a kapha body type as well. I would love to kind of switch over to food and uh, you have talked about different types of Ayurvedic spices. You know, what are those specifically? And I guess if someone is unable to find an Ayurvedic practitioner um, or doctor to go to, to really understand what type of dosha they are, Mm -hmm. are there certain types of Ayurvedic spices that they can keep on hand to be able to use generally speaking in their daily cooking? Sure, absolutely. So what comes to my mind, there are definitely four spices that I definitely recommend everybody should have in their uh, in their pantry. One, turmeric, which is also known as a golden spice. Second is the, uh, the uh, cumin, the cumin seeds. You also get ground cumin. Third is coriander. You get coriander seeds as well. And the fourth being ginger. So these mm. are some of the four basic essential spices that you definitely want to have uh, in your uh, cooking to, again, maintain that gut health, uh, reduce mm-hmm. any bloating and things, and making sure that your your, uh, your gut health is up to its optimum. Can you go into each spice in terms of there's, are there certain properties that they do, um, you know, to, uh, for our health uh, from, from your perspective? Sure. So um, the cumin, coriander, the one more spice I do want to uh, include is, is a fennel. They're called fennel seeds. So the cumin, coriander, and fennel, these are more of the cooling spices. So if a person, for example, you know, had a really heavy meal, uh, you know, just making a tea of these three basic spices actually helps with relieving a lot of that bloating, that heaviness a lot. 
um, turmeric, as we know, you know, has a lot of the um, for its anti-inflammatory properties um, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I talked about um, as well as ginger. Ginger, especially, is very good for the gut health. Helps a lot with any digestive issue. Um, so again, you know, if people are traveling and things, or they had a really heavy meal, or they mm-hmm. for the couple of days they are not really, uh, you know, feeling um, low or you know feeling really nauseated and things, you know, just adding ginger or having a ginger lemon tea a lot of times also will help a lot with the digestive issues. Yeah, that's great. So I definitely would would uh, would love to close out, and I love learning. We've learned so much about your Ayurvedic practice, and you know talking about from a gut health and nutritional perspective. Um, is there something, you know, one of my favorite questions to ask is, you know, how do you personally take care of yourself or how do you personally thrive? And, um, you know, the centerpiece is really about the person behind, you know, the provider, the, you know, caregiver, the practitioner, you know, what are some ways that you practice self-care for yourself um, you know, to be able to keep your spirits up, because I can tell that you are, you're very strong in terms and very resolute and very certain in terms of, you know, not just, you know, your practice, but you know, the I can tell from your just overall well being. So what, what, what have you done to kind of contribute towards that? Sure. Um, Colin, so, you know, everything resonates with our self care. And I believe that, you know, self care starts with us. So for my, the way I thrive and for my self-care, definitely meditation is a huge part of it. Early morning, you know, five to 10 minutes of meditation really helps me with that. And uh, yoga is one thing I definitely uh, practice. Uh, If I don't get a time for every single day, but at least I make a point for at least once a week to practice yoga. The second and the third important thing is, uh, you know, eating according to Ayurvedic principles. So again, making sure that I'm creating a balance in my meals, uh, eating more warm foods, uh, having all the different uh, uh, foods cooked with different spices to help with my gut health. Because I said earlier that I grew up with uh, having a uh, weaker gut. So to maintain Mm. that gut health, uh, I want to make sure that I include some of the spices for myself. Uh, But the other thing that actually helps me to thrive personally is doing uh, the abhyanga for myself, the self-massage, uh, mm. every day and that actually helps me to uh, ground really well mm. so that's these are some of the simple practices i follow on a daily basis uh it's called more of a i want to call my daily routine for myself mm. and the and these routines that you have for yourself you would also advocate for someone else that's looking to improve their health absolutely absolutely because i feel that you know when i uh, uh when i work with different clients you know, it's just not the food or just not the activity. It's your stress management. All these three things are part of a puzzle. And all these three things, you know, having all these things in a balance is what's going to create more of the health and wellness for us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally uh, agree. Um, I feel like meditation and yoga practices, you know, um, that are also very, very, you know, uh, thousands of years old pr- practice, uh, if not more. And, um, you know, Ayurvedic, you know, from, from your perspective and the nutrition, that aspect of it is so important. The self-assage, the, the abhyanga, um, how would you, how would you go about doing that? Or how would you go about, you know, uh, teaching someone to do that for themselves at home? 
Sure. So a uh, very simple, as I explained to a lot of people is that how would you do a self-abhyanga or self-massage for yourself is that, you know, think about the simplest one of the easiest oils to begin with is, you know, either uh, coconut oil or if you're allergic to coconut, you can use olive oil as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, now sometimes people um, uh, may have like sesame seed oil, they may not. But again, uh, it's their choice, whichever oil they want to choose. And the easier way is that, you know, think about it just, just as you're applying lotion to your body. You want to apply uh, this uh, oil to yourself and, uh, you know, wait for five to ten minutes. Uh, let your body absorb that oil and then you can take a warm um, uh, warm uh, shower. So apply it right before you go to a shower. Absolutely. And you want to wait at least five to 10 minutes, let our skin absorb it, and then you can take a shower. Hmm. Oh, yeah. That's very, very interesting. Um, definitely, I'll probably try, <laughs> try it later today. <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, you know, coconut, sesame, olive oil. Well, I, olive oil will be more of a you know, milder type of smell, but sesame has a very strong Correct. smell. Coconut has a very strong smell. Exactly. So I'm glad that you gave those choices because I'm sure not everyone, not everything is going to resonate with everyone. Exactly. So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for um, sharing your wisdom and perspectives today. Um, I, you know, I definitely learned a lot myself and I'm hoping the audience members did as well. If someone wanted to look you up or reach out to you, where can they find you? So, uh, one, they can reach us through our website, which is www.ironnutrition.com. They can like us on Facebook at Iron Nutrition. They can follow us on Instagram, or they can uh, uh, give us a call at 972-999-0203. Okay, excellent. And uh, you're, you're accepting new clients, right? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> well, please, uh, those of you who are listening would definitely want uh, a consultation from a very unique and different perspective. Please give her a call. Gary, thank you so much for hopping onto the show and sharing uh, your story and taking your, your time out to be able to uh, be on the show with us today. Well, thank you so much, Colin. It was uh, wonderful uh, talking to you and it was wonderful sharing about Ayurveda as well. Thank you very much. Hey guys, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, if you like this, please share and follow and please let someone else know about this podcast. And if they have you know, something of interest or if you feel like it can be of help to them, please share this. And thank you so much for listening on and we will see you on the next one. Hey guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.